Hi there, my name is Carrie Conover and I went from classroom teacher to ed tech leader to CEO in five years. I'm here to share the stories and wisdom of teachers who have successfully transitioned from the classroom to the boardroom. Let me help you let go of the guilt, start building your skills and create your own path to a new career outside of the classroom. Welcome to Classroom to Boardroom. I'm so glad you're here. Today, Heather Hepner joins the podcast to talk about her transition from the classroom to the boardroom. I had the pleasure of working with Heather at eSpark Learning for a short but fun and impactful nine months. I knew when I started this podcast, I had to reach out to Heather because she has such a unique path and story. So Heather, welcome to the Classroom to Boardroom podcast. Thanks, Gary. I'm so excited and honored to be here. You know, I have something special that I love about your name. So you know, when I got married, my initials became CC, Carrie Conover. And yep. so anytime I have someone that's like the double Heather Hepner, mm-hmm. I always have like a special feeling about your name. So <laughs> there's, a, there's a strong affinity for the double consonant. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wait, way to take what I was trying to say and put it in a more articulate way. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> you see, you're good to go. You're good to go. I love it. Okay, Heather. So Let's talk about your past. So you lead a big box retail initiative for a firm, a San Francisco-based financial tech firm offering honest financial products, which already when I read that first sentence, I think, how in the world did you go from the classroom to this (laughs) school? Prior to a firm, Heather oversaw enterprise key accounts at Narrative Science, a Chicago-based AI company focused on language capabilities and advanced analytics. Heather spent the first 10 years of her career with Teach for America, woohoo! First as a school English teacher, high school English teacher in West Baltimore, followed by seven years supporting and managing teams of teachers and district leader relationships. Heather holds an MBA from the University of Chicago, a Master of Arts in Teaching from Johns Hopkins University, and a BA from Kenyon College. She is also the co-founder and advisor of Tilly, an online landscape design company. Whoa, Heather. Yeah. <laughs> so I know I did the overarching you know, bio for you, but can you, in your own words, tell us the general story of your career and how you ended up where you are today? happy to. So as you noted in my in my bio, the genesis of my career really started with Teach for America. I joined right out of college a long, long time ago. And I was a high school uh, English teacher at the time in West Baltimore, where I taught 10th grade English for three years. In that role, I actually took on additional responsibility of classroom instructor, department chair. I managed and supported teachers in my role and really fulfilled some more district responsibilities, which exposed me to a level of leadership that I didn't entirely expect and was certainly a testament to the challenges my school and my district were facing at the time. It was also this point when uh, we were building out big data and analytics in the late 2000s in the classroom. Teach for America was certainly pushing this. And it was through this lens that uh, I became aware of opportunities for growth and innovation. It led me to pursue my uh, MBA, hoping to bring some of that strategy and knowledge that comes with running large enterprises 
And combining that with the background of an education leader and role where, you know, frankly, I saw a lot of opportunity where we had leaders in schools and in districts who either had a lot of private context, whether they came from business or some sort of larger enterprise, but didn't have a full appreciation of the education space. And simultaneously, folks who came up through education, but didn't necessarily know how to run a multi-million dollar industry. And so that really was the impetus for me going to business school. It was there at business school that I really became inspired by the role of technology to impact a number of the challenges in the classroom and in districts. And so that really led me to eSpark where we met. And it was through eSpark that one of our colleagues introduced me to narrative science, who was really challenging the role of data. And through this big data push, recognized that a number of teachers were also being asked to become analysts and felt like the core purpose of data is to take action. And the faster we can give access to insights of the data, the faster they can actually address the needs of individual students and of their classroom. And so it was really through that lens that I I joined Narrative Science and felt like the core capabilities could be game-changing for the ed space. And so while I was working with private enterprises, I was on the side also encouraging partnerships within the school district and, and figuring out how we can make more of an impact and extend our technology there. I was with Narrative Science for four years, started leading one of our customer success teams, helped build out that function, and then also worked with large enterprise organizations. And that really led me to an introduction to my current role where I was uh, connected with our VP of customer or client success at Firm, who said, hey, given your background, would love for you to help tackle some of our large enterprise and key accounts here. And so I've been with a firm for the past year. And I'll say that, you know, really a throughput of my career has been mission-driven, high-impact, innovative organizations who are challenging the status quo and encouraging us to look differently through, you know, through the lens of individuals. And so it's, it's been an interesting career trajectory, but one I'm, I'm really excited about and have been proud of. You know, uh, you mentioned, I almost said off camera, but we're not on camera (laughs) before we were recording the twist and turns of your career. And I think in the Classroom to Boardroom course, we do a once a month group live coaching session, which is actually this evening. And that's one of the things we talk about a lot is that a lot of teachers have been in the classroom teaching for 5, 10, 15 years. And so making these changes feels scary, but I think both you and I, our background show that taking those twists and turns, while you may not know what's coming down the path and ahead, can be highly rewarding. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would argue that being a classroom teacher and having that foundation was the most powerful leadership development that I have had in my career to date. And I've been lucky enough to have exposure to a number of incredible organizations and leaders. But what happens in a classroom is so complex and multifaceted and the ability to serve students in the way that a teacher does is, I mean, truly unmatched. And I don't think that we often give teachers enough credit for that skill set that they develop while teaching, and then also just how transferable it is. And so I, you know, absolutely the the experience that I had as a classroom teacher has, I mean, it continues to guide me today. And there are a number of core skill sets that I, I still pull from and think about from my early days. Well, I think what passion led me kind of into my transition was my ability to like perform design and execute professional development for other teachers. That was the kind of the thing that I held onto within this 
tech space. And it, it sounds like for you, that was data that kind of pulled you down this story. You're your growing passion for data and its ability to help people and groups of people take action. Absolutely. That that has been a core function from the beginning. I remember being a classroom teacher and being asked to collect some early data on my um, my students. And it was certainly an unknown at the time, just how, how we would bridge this gap between classroom instruction, how you quantify qualitative insights around students. And then how you even use that to inform classroom instruction. I feel like we've seen this evolution in standardized testing, or at least there was a big push in standardized testing through the late 2000s, uh, early 2010s, where we were pushing standardization and insight, but not necessarily enabling audiences to dissect that information or to apply it. And what's interesting is I was on the teaching and administrative side for a number of years, and then I became a parent of a public school student. And now I have two kids, they're both in Chicago public schools, and I'm on the receiving end of these standardized exams. And I continue to think what limited information we're actually sharing with families. And as a teacher, you know, there's rich information in there, but we're really not even providing the key insights to drive the change and the action that I anticipate a number of teachers would want. And instead we're asking them to really delve into the data in ways that they don't necessarily have time for. And so- yep. That was really my passion for joining narrative science and data and insight continues to be a core, a core function of my day to day today as well. So how did you know, and this probably ties into what you were just talking about, how did you know you wanted to do something other than teaching? Great question. I think it was really anchored on those early exposures to district leadership in Baltimore City. That was a responsibility I did not anticipate for better or for worse. Uh, it did distract me from you know the everyday focus on becoming a solely a good classroom teacher, but it did provide a lens that showed, hey, there's a lot more going on that influences what happens in the classroom itself and how do we better enable teachers. And so looking at some of the challenges and solutions, I've always been drawn to this entrepreneurial angle of building new initiatives or building out ideas and really solving key challenges. And so that drove me to business school. Uh, and that really led to you know where I am where I am today is figuring out how do we solve for some of these societal issues and how do we make an impact and how do we enable people with the information and insight that they require to adopt these new habits that hopefully will make everybody better off. I have a feeling my next question is going to be in alignment with almost every other person I've interviewed and asked this question to. So did you ever feel guilty about leaving? And if you did, how did you let go of that guilt, Heather? Great question. Very fair and 110%. Yes, I absolutely felt guilty about leaving the classroom. At the time, I did have some personal factors that were supporting the cause. So I actually stayed with my students that I started with in 10th grade and I, I taught them in 11th and 12th. So I remained with my cohort of students through their graduation, which was very important to me. Simultaneously, my now husband, he took a job in Chicago. And so that forced a move away from Baltimore City. But remaining in education was important to me at that time. And really it was stepping out of education that was the biggest leap for me. And I still, I still feel guilty about it, just in the sense that I care so deeply about the, about the field. At the same time, in my values alignment continues to be driven by diversity, equity, and inclusiveness, a lot of the same social drivers that brought me to Teach for America to begin with. And so in terms of making an impact on the audience that I continue to want to serve through education, that has been a lens in my career thus far. So keeping keeping at least 
as best as I can, a hand and a foot in the space has helped, but by no means is it the same as being in the classroom day in and day out, where I have utmost admiration for those who for those who do, and at the same time recognize that there is a broader world for educators if they do choose to step outside, and then it doesn't necessarily mean you let go of that experience. It's hard when I'm talking to teachers that are trying to look at themselves and think, well, how does this all intersect for me? And it's, it's, I'm having these aha moments as you're talking about, like, if you can figure out your strengths, there's a great interview, a few interviews back with Tomer Yogev, and we're talking about strengths finder and knowing your strengths. Yeah. And if you can kind of know your, I don't know if I want to call them soft strengths, but like personality strengths, those things that come out in you uh, naturally. And then you can also really know what you align to, like what your belief system is. And then also this other thing such as data, or maybe you're super passionate about technology. Maybe you're passionate about art. For me, it was professional development. That's where the magic really starts to happen. And and that's really through your story too. Like you were able to let go of that guilt because these things all aligned really well with who you were as a person and your personality. They aligned well with your belief system. And then also that like hard, and we're going to talk a little bit about soft and hard skills, but those like hard skills that you have too, which as we said, was that data pathway. So it's very interesting. Absolutely. Okay. So how did you like actually get your first job out of the classroom, which is the biggest leap getting that first role? So how did this work for you? Can you talk about that? Sure. So I would actually argue I had a few big leaps. So the first was technically when I left the classroom. That was my job with Teach for America. I joined staff managing and supporting teachers in the classroom. That responsibility was fairly closely aligned to the day-to-day of my teaching job in Baltimore City Public Schools at the high school at which I taught. So in that sense, it felt like an extension of the day-to-day. At the same time, it was the first time I became part of an organization that was not a public school system. I was affiliated with Teach for America now as a staff member. And so there was an enterprise element to it that was new and different. And so that that's really where I learned how to incorporate myself and contribute to a, it was a nonprofit organization, but it was a standalone entity in ways that I felt like, you know, the school district is much larger and there was the intersection with Teach for America. The second leap, I would say, was after I left Teach for America, having been associated with them for 10 years or directly working with them for 10 years. And that's when I joined eSpark. And that was actually my first leap into a private enterprise. And that was a huge learning curve, uh, just in the sense that I had gone from the nonprofit sector into the private sector. And it was, you know, trial by fire um, in terms of the impact for uh, what it looks like to work for a small startup and a company that's yes. evolving, as we both know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and then my other big leap, I would say, was from eSpark, which was still in the education space, to narrative science, which was in that tech artificial intelligence space. And that was a huge leap because it really taught me how important it is to build context and content and become... Uh, a product expert to become successful in client success. I think the first few stages, whether it was in the classroom or with Teach for America or with eSpark, really aligned to that build in the education space. But when I joined Narrative Science, I had to really hone my skills and my knowledge. And it was very humbling to essentially start over in a new career path, you know, 10 years after, after I started or 11 years. So looking back on your career so far, how do you think you have grown or changed the most professionally? 
Oh gosh. I have, I feel like I've evolved a lot. And at the same time, I feel like the core tenets that I learned in the classroom remain true. So the biggest leap and the biggest change I've experienced is navigating large enterprises. And it's funny because large school districts in and of themselves are large enterprises, but the organizations are very different and the priorities are different. And working in a private sector is certainly different than the public sector. There's a different level of um, sort of operational cadence and norms. And um, in some cases, things move more quickly. In other cases, maybe less so. But that was a, a big component. And then also learning about the tech space. And startups was another big dimension of my learning curve. And so in that case, you know, context and industry are valuable. Uh, but at the same time, you know, a steep learning curve in those first years after Teach for America were, were very, very real and true. Um, yeah. You really are humbled, I think, often when you change jobs, especially if you are making those big leaps. It's very humbling um, and you really have to know how to step up and be okay with not knowing all the answers when you start a new job, right? Absolutely. Knowing when to answer, who to go to. I think it was interesting too. I think that's why you and I connected at East Park is like, you were smart in that way. I think you quickly identified that I was a person that you could come to and ask me the easiest, like the silliest of questions, like where's the bathroom key <laughs> to just who is that person and what role do they play and stuff. And so I think that's one of my biggest pieces of advice when I help people actually make a transition into a new job is find a few people that you know, you can trust, like watch their behavior, watch how they interact with other people, watch how they are in staff meetings and then find those people and then lean in onto them and ask them all those questions in the beginning, because you're supposed to ask questions when you're new to a role. Absolutely. And I don't think that any question is too small and most, I would argue, at least in my experience, most organizations have, and maybe I've been lucky in this regard, but I've always been able to find those people. And I also try to offer myself up as that resource for newbies as well, to make sure that they yeah. feel comfortable and that I can act in that similar role to the best of my ability. And if I can't serve the purpose that they're looking to solve, I try to find the right person who can. And that's certainly a pay it forward mentality, but it's mission critical. I remember joining eSpark and very early on, it, I was encouraged to build a relationship with you because you knew the ins and outs and you had been there for a while. And certainly that was a, that was a gift. I also think being a working mom, both of us were working moms. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that <laughs> helped draw us together because we there, for a long time, I was the only working mom at eSpark. And I was traveling a lot and I've had people come back to me now and just say like, wow, I, now that they've had kids to be like, I'm not really quite sure how you did that. And I think just for us, that was a bond we had too. Big time, big time. Yep. And I feel like I'm, I've sometimes been maybe naive or optimistic when I look back on my career and think, oh, you know, I, it's not, not even, it is very different. I don't think I, I thought of it as being not different, but I didn't fully appreciate just how stressful that can be, especially when you have little kids. I mean, our kids are obviously a bunch bigger now, but at the time, you know, I had a, I think a nine month old or maybe he just turned one when I joined. So that was incredibly important um, to have, to have that relationship and that commonality so that we could bond over it. Yes. I was glad to have a fellow working mom. <laughs> Talk about that. Um, okay. So, and actually I want to pause there because you can make this transition and you can travel for work 
when you are a mom mm-hmm. or dad or dad or a caregiver. So I think people are think, oh, I'm going to wait till my kids are older. You can make it work. You definitely, can. Definitely. Tell us a little bit about where you're working now and kind of what are your day-to-day responsibilities in the role you're in? Yeah. So I am with, as you mentioned at the beginning, I'm with a firm. We are a San Francisco-based financial services company that believes in delivering honest financial products. So sticking with the theme of disrupting the status quo in my career, a firm really focuses on building trust with consumers and and making sure that there's transparency and long-term relationships uh, with, with the consumer. And I've been really inspired by the mission. I've been there for the past year And I have continued my work in enterprise account management um, and key account sort of strategic relationships on the client success team. So today I work with big box retailers and it's been an adventure and it has continued to be enlightening and exciting, uh, especially in 2020 and uh, having started in a pandemic. How is it different than working with superintendents? Great question. I would argue it's actually not dramatic. Well, there are a number of differences in the private sector and in navigating large bureaucratic organizations to establish the solution to drive value, to help elevate and highlight the value that we provide. At the same time, I would argue that a superintendent is working in a large, complex enterprise. They are overstretched. And you have to work to secure Mindshare, uh, make sure that they are aware, similarly to what I do today, that the solution we provide is relevant, it is helpful, it is impactful, and that the results speak for themselves and that those are also elevated to that level of seniority. So there are actually a number of parallels. And I, I continue to say, you know, the time in the classroom is incredibly relevant and pertinent to my day to day now, even though the context is very different. It's funny, I asked Anya Dudek that same question when she was yeah. on here. She's also working now more on that like corporate um, tech side. Yep. And she said almost the same thing. I mean, uh, it's really about helping companies, leaders say, where do you want to go? How are we going to get there? And let's measure your progress yep. and let's communicate about it if you want to make it very simple. So Speaking of that, let's talk about customer success and client success. Why do you think this is a good role? I think this is a great role, not only because I took it, but I think it's a natural path for teachers um, to go from you know the classroom into customer or client success. Yeah, great question. I, I think that there's actually a lot of overlap and parallel in the customer success, client success space and in education and, and in being a teacher. I think at the core of my day-to-day, it is people, similar to being in a classroom. There are stakeholders. I don't absolutely want to oversimplify the analogy between students in a classroom and engaging with a private enterprise. The art of teaching in and of itself is an art. And I absolutely want to maintain, and I do maintain the utmost respect for it. But if you do boil it down, there are key stakeholders. There's a collective group of people that we are looking to influence and to drive towards common outcomes. It's knowing what their goals are, what the collective goals are, and then also being able to differentiate at the individual level, which 100% is what happens in the classroom as well. Thinking about, you know, a group of 25 students, how do we make sure that the class is moving towards our class goals and how do we move the needle as a whole? And in order to get there, it's knowing what makes each individual student tick, what motivates them, what inspires them, 
and making sure that we are providing those experiences. And so teachers do such an incredible job of operating at such a diverse level and at a level of detail that absolutely translates to the private sector and, and to the responsibilities of client success. So what are some of the soft skills that you think are required to work in customer success? Ooh, so I would say a people first mentality, leadership skills, influencing and motivating. So knowing what moves the needle for an individual or a group or an organization, certainly being adaptable. There are a number of unexpected curveballs that can happen at any given time. And so the, the ability to pivot on the spot is really important or pivot a broader strategy. Certainly that happens in a classroom that 100% happens in my day to day. And then, you know, grit and resilience continue to be key skills that I think translate anywhere. Just making sure that to be really effective in your role that, that you demonstrate that day in and day out. I do think that the people that I have seen struggle in customer success a little bit are people that have a hard time with adaptability and, no. you know, people who are super rigid and want a plan laid out and to go exactly that way. I think those mm -hmm. are the type of people that struggle the most in customer success. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen a ton of people struggle, but the ones, and, and when I say struggle, I really mean the job wasn't the right fit. Like they needed to be more in a different technical role or in a different kind of role. Mm -hmm. yep. But that adaptability is huge because you think things are going great and all of a sudden some kind of bomb drops on you and you've got to be able to keep cool, calm and collected. Exactly. Just being able to take it in, address the problem or challenge, or at least be able to speak to how the problem or challenge will be addressed and then to move on. Yep. What about those hard skills that are required to work in customer success or sales or working at, you know, any kind of education company? Mm, great question. So we talked a little bit earlier about content and context. Product knowledge is really important. Earlier, I spoke a bit to the learning curve I had at Narrative Science, just learning our technology, our capabilities. I think that that is mission critical. Similarly, at eSpark, I remember being given a login to to the platform and being able to play play you know through the different games at the different levels myself. I think just knowing how the product works is mission critical because then you really can't support your customer or your client the way that you want or need to. Effective communication super critical through written word or speaking presentation skills and then you know social skills although that might be a soft skill as well. Uh, but just the ability to, to navigate people, to be able to read your audience and to back to adaptability and the soft skills. I think that that's really, really important. Yeah. I think when I think back at my time at eSpark and then at Discovery, eSpark, I knew that product like the back of my hand. Mm -hmm. There was nothing that someone could ask me in a sales meeting, a PD meeting, a customer success meeting that I couldn't answer. That wasn't as true for me at Discovery. I was able to be successful because I leaned so much on those soft skills, but my onboarding was so fast and furious and the product was so dense and there were so many products yep. that I was scared often that I was going to get asked something about the product that I didn't know the answer to. Yep. And you know, my team though knew the product very well. So uh, that helped. But yeah, I agree with you on that product knowledge. And if you're getting ready to go into an interview, 
get download it or get in there, get a login and get to know that product before you even walk in the door. Yeah. Well, I think this also is where being a teacher comes in and it's, it, and it's a strength where once you get to know the product or even if you're interviewing and you have a very basic understanding of it, teachers can translate content and information to an, I mean, the core of the job, right, is to translate that information to an audience that doesn't initially know or understand what you're doing. And so that is such a key critical skill, which I think we also take for granted, is the translation of information and the downloading to the individual or the audience and being able to check for understanding. All of those really come into play in the customer success or sales commercial development responsibility. And it is such an, an essential part of teaching. And I don't always think that we give that enough credit. You're absolutely right. Thank you for drawing these parallels because I think it's going to give teachers even more confidence making this change. So let's wrap up with two things. One, I want you to start with any advice for you have for teachers looking to transition to a role in an education company. And then um, we're going to wrap up sharing our favorite memory working together. So let's start with that. Any final advice for teachers looking to make this transition? Yeah. So I would say, number one, do not underestimate the incredible skills that you have developed as a teacher. More often than I would ever hope, I find that teachers kind of question that translation or wonder, how in the world can I do anything outside of teaching? Again, the leadership and tactical skills and knowledge and even mindsets that are developed in the classroom are 100% translatable. And so it's making sure that you're able to make the connection and, and bridge that gap. I would say that the ability to position yourself in those core skills is mission critical to making that translation possible. I even found, even after I had left the classroom, people would look at my resume and despite all the time I had spent outside of the classroom, people still thought of me as a classroom instructor. And that is probably you know, partly my fault for either not officially representing that or even just effectively telling my story. And so the more often than not that I can pull out those key skills when you talk about the responsibilities and then help make those connections for your audience, the, the better positioned you'll be. And then I think the more support that you can get through connections and relationships, coaching, feedback on bridging that gap you know, you'll, you'll be, you'll be set, um, for, for the next role. And then even if you are looking to gather some of that content knowledge that we were talking about earlier, identifying opportunities to tinker in that space outside of the classroom could be immensely helpful because it'll help you even understand what's going to be required for that content knowledge instead of being thrown into sort of, a, you know, the fire pit or going blind. You know, even talking you to listening to you speak on this podcast, your vocabulary that you use mm -hmm. is just listening to podcasts like this and listening to people in the business world, in the tech space, in the ed tech space, listen to the vocabulary they're using. I was listening to a recorded webinar. Uh, there was like a summit last week that I couldn't attend. And it was all about like problem-based learning and some really interesting research that's happened. And even me, as embedded as I am in education, the ed tech space, teachers, yep. it, I thought to myself, like, I just feel like my IQ is going up. You can always learn. Yep. And so I would also encourage that is listen to people like you speak. Great call out. Yes. I think that the more exposure you have outside of your core industry, the more, the more one's going to learn. I feel like that's an obvious statement. 
Yeah. But it's, it, it's undeniable that the skills that teachers have, I mean, you and I were talking about the organization skills that you have had, that you have and how much I appreciate just how composed and, and organized you are. That is something that is 100% translatable and building institutional knowledge and helping to collate information and share it out. I mean, all of these things are absolutely relevant. And so, yeah, I think that that's, that's a really important call out. Anything else you want to share before I ask our final question? Ooh, I think the biggest is, again, I feel like I'm sounding like a broken record, but teaching is truly an extraordinary profession. Uh, Looking back at my own career, I don't think I could have secured a leadership position as significant as the one I had as a classroom instructor out of college. That was, I mean, incredibly challenging. And I'm just super, super grateful for it. I had an amazing principal who also demonstrated what it is to be a great leader. That's something else we haven't really delved into here, but would certainly be a great follow-up is leadership exposure and experience and and how that comes through, whether it's a principal or a district leader, uh, and even how it's translated into the private sector. But just know that, you know, the, the skills that you build as a teacher, you can carry anywhere and that will carry you a long way. So good luck. Well, I want to wrap up with first of all saying thank you so much for your time here today and, and taking the time out of your busy day to, to speak with us. But I, w- I want to wrap up with, I always ask people on the podcast if we work together, if you have a favorite memory working together, I'll start today. <laughs> Mine is not necessarily like a memory, one specific memory, but when I think back on our conversations and time together, I think back on the small kind of quiet chats we had where you really taught me to put on my cape and be like, be powerful and like live in my power. I think you pushed me to realize that I did have all of these talents and you helped me look in the mirror and see those. So those are, that's what I really remember as my memories with you in that short nine months that we worked together. Carrie, that's so, wow. I'm honored. Thank you. It's true. That was, I was going to call out our, our walking conversations around the West Loop. I think yes. that you were, I mean, whether it was conversing about how do we build up our strengths in our careers or whether we were talking about life and, and navigating what it means to work outside the home as with little kids at home, right? Like, I think that those were such, those were such highlights and I felt like we had such a natural connection right out of the gate. And I always looked forward to our time together when we would have lunch and just catch up. And so it sounds like we share those fond memories. So that goes along. I agree. Thank you. Well, I'm glad we're reconnecting here. We're going to stay connected. I'm committed to that, Heather. Absolutely. And thank you for your knowledge and time today. And for all of you listening, keep moving forward. Keep believing in yourself. Keep working on that resume. Your time will come. Until next time, hang in there. Thank you so much, Carrie. Once again, if you are interested in our podcast, make sure you subscribe so that you get notifications when new podcast episodes are released. Do you join me each week for Classroom to Boardroom? Welcome to this new podcast. Until next time, my friends, take care.